Good morning and a happy day to you folks. It is a gorgeous day outside and I cannot wait to get outside there and feel that energy coming down from Papa Sun. But first I want to talk about freedom with patience. What does that mean? Freedom with patience. Well, let's just take the office setting for a second. If you consider providing your staff the freedom to hone their skills because everybody develops at a different speed But if you give them the freedom and encourage the process, you will be amazed at how much more receptive to change, but more importantly, understand change. If they do not understand change happening in an organization, oftentimes they'll leave. So by giving your employees and you a little bit of freedom, you're going to be becoming a little bit more patient and have some breathing space for everybody. And that will create more trust and productivity for the soul. Now let's get this day started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. This is the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spee, Sean Forbes, sitting directly to my left as I had to hold up my right and left hands to see which hand made an L. Sexy, sophisticated Sean Forbes. It's not quite taking off the jacket time to show her shoulders yet, so Monty... It's not happy hour. It's not Monty, happy hour time yet. Monty Bessler from Frackinator. You get the sophisticated Sean Forbes for this interview. And how you doing, by the way? I'm doing great. You know, it's uh, it's fun to be here at the show in particular. Uh, it's old home week. I mean, I'm seeing people that I haven't seen for, well, at least two years, and sometimes much longer than that. But uh, I think it's the industry's always been a handshake and a, you know, a verbal agreement type of industry, and particularly in the, the legacy groups that I came up with. That's what I see, a bias of that group here. I'm, there, I'm sure there's a large bunch of people sitting here Zooming the conferences and stuff, but the group, the people that I worked with and grew up, we still had to go out and shake somebody's hand and sign with ink on a, a line, not digitally send our signature to them. So. Nap- yeah. Napkin deals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love cocktail napkin deals. In the bar, deals. sitting at the bar, oh, sitting yeah, on the I, bar I, drawing I diagrams. I jobs on paper plates and napkins. So I do want to set the table a little bit here because uh, Monty Bessler is, is one of the, I don't know, he's, he's one of the, I don't know if you want to call the originals of the Bakken or what, but he has got so much clout and so much prestige here in the Bakken that he's coming from a filming of a documentary where you were interviewed yeah. about the players of the Bakken, the building of the Bakken. If you describe the documentary and how you got to be a part of that and I didn't well uh, <laughs> the uh, the documentary as I understand it is going to be a history of North Dakota's oil business and they wanted to interview people that they considered influential over the years and, well you just answered that question you know, for me I I, uh, I lucked out you know I get the, the was one of the long straws I guess <laughs> So, what did you talk about then? Oh, well, you don't have to give us the my whole life history, okay. you know, basically. But you know, some of the things that I'd done in the Bakken and, and well, in the in the Wilson Basin, 
from day one, you know, uh, all the formations, all the things that people don't even talk about now. You know, it's, it's all Bakken or Three Forks, but there's 22 other producing intervals in the North Dakota. It's things like that. Uh, yeah. They wanted to know where my nickname come from and different, all important stuff like that. And we'll get to the Frackinator nickname in just a second. I did want to preview very quickly that uh, Monty has been banned for life from LinkedIn. <laughs> and I wanted to start by explaining that he's got a very rich history in the industry, in the community, and in North Dakota. And for a gentleman like Monty to get banned from LinkedIn really perked up my attention because, listen, M- M- Monty, he-, he won't hold back at times. But at the same time, it's generally... Pretty with, spot on. Yeah, but it's it's not ill intent. It's not ill intent by any means. And, and I can explain my relationship with Monty a little bit more in some interviews we've done over the past. But I know, Sean, you wanted to know the history behind Frackinator, so I'll just hand it off to you, and then you can we'll go from there. So uh, find out more about Frackinator, what you needed to know. I like the name. It <laughs> reminds me of the Terminator. So well, is there, is there uh, some relation to that? Somewhat. Uh, I was actually on a frack job in the van. And the topic come up is it does a number of times like about nicknames. Well, on a frack crew, everybody has a nickname. Now, they don't always get that nickname spoken to them to their face, but everybody has a nickname. So they, uh, they asked me what my nickname was. I don't know. I don't think I have one. They said, well, everybody has a nickname in the oil field, and you've got to have a nickname. So they started throwing out words, and one of them threw out Frackinator, and I said, I like that. And I, and I immediately came to my mind that I could reduce it to seven characters and put it on a license plate. So I did that, and I mean, it just caught on. Now, I can go into a, whether it's a bar or a restaurant or wherever, and I, I get called Frackinator as often as I get called Monty anymore. Uh, I love that you got an eight in there, I, and I it's all because of the license thing. plate. Yeah. <laughs> Vanity plates well, is what shaped know, my company. In uh, in it's a North Dakota thing. You know, North Dakota like, leads the nation in the percentage of vanity plates. But <laughs> I was I was interviewed That's one time with awesome uh, uh, by a French Explains film a crew come over here, and they were doing a documentary on the oil boom. And so when they got they interviewed me and. When I got done, I said, I want to see this clip when you're done. I'd like, I'd like to have it. So they sent it to me. Of course, it played in France. So all the English was subtitles. But the words were spoken in French. So it's, I'm reading down below, and it says, this is Monty Bessler. He's the Frackinator. <laughs> oh, I like that a lot. That's fancy. <laughs> yeah. Frackinator. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get to the juicy part of the interview here. What happened on LinkedIn now? You, uh, my understanding is you got banned for life, huh? Well, you know, they have made zero attempts to, to reach out to me or anything. I mean, you get, you get sent to Facebook jail for a day, and then they come to you, and they say, you know, if you behave, we'll let you back in. The next time you get sent to jail for two days. I woke up and tried to log on to LinkedIn, and they said, your account's restricted. And no message from them, no explanation or anything. And it took me about a week, actually, to even reach anybody. And I had to do some research, and I actually found another company that had been restricted, and they had to hire a lawyer, actually, to threaten them before they could get somebody to actually talk to them. And I sent an email. They got back to me and said, 
you know, well, you're restricted and here's the reasons why. And it was a couple comments I'd made that were basically my opinions. They said, you don't have references for that. Of course, I wasn't sharp enough at the time. I said, well, where I'm at, people reference me. So why do I, I am the source, pal? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm the one that said it. Yeah, it's I'm my gonna, opinion. I think eighty percent of the things people say on LinkedIn are opinions. Yeah, and I, so, I don't need to be validated by somebody else. Can, can I ask you? Did, did you swear? No. Did you? No profanity. Well, not. You know, about the the toughest thing I would do is you know get in somebody's face about you know what they'd call me, but I never use the same kind of. As you mentioned, I don't. I I never got into. You know, mean-spirited stuff. My my responses were always logical. I would paint them into a corner, and I love to do it. You're yeah, challenging. I, You're challenging people, yeah. right? Yeah, you, you don't mind challenging with some facts and some science and, and everything. So, no profanity. Not any threats to your yourself or someone else. No, in fact, the only threats that ever happened in any of them were to me. Okay. People threatening to have me canceled. They threatened to call my my uh, human resources department and have me fired. LinkedIn I, did? Somebody that was on People LinkedIn. People commenting? Oh, somebody on LinkedIn. And I said, okay. no, you want their number? Because that's you. Because that's you, yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, Monty Bessler, HR, what can I do for you? <laughs> yeah. But that's interesting. Okay, so you're getting attacked, you're giving your opinion, and you're the one who got banned. Yeah. yeah. Do you, did, did they explain the specific post? Was it a body of work? or? Oh, well, they, what they sent me were two posts. One was a month old, one was three months old. And why a three-month-old post would suddenly get me canceled in the middle of the night. It was with no warning. I mean, oh, I in the middle of the night, too. The still yeah. of the night. Yeah, I mean, I wake up in the morning. I was on it, you know, maybe 10 o'clock that night. Woke up in the morning, and I've, and I've never been allowed back. They, they said, you can appeal it. I said, well, that's my. those were just my opinions. And I think one of them was about global warming, and another one was possibly about campaign stuff that was going on last summer but they're just my opinions they weren't and and i needed to have references if i was going to do that well so did they not follow their normal protocol of giving you a warning slapping you on the hand they just basically said you're done they never even said you're done they said i i gotta every time i tried to log on it'd say your account's restricted and with no no, no, well, you can contact us at this email address or this, you know, this link or nothing. That's it. I mean, just cold turkey. And uh, you know, I- For some people in oil and gas, because LinkedIn is an extremely high-volume oil and gas audience, yep. okay, versus the other social media platforms, that would help kill somebody's business. Yeah, if, if I had to rely on it solely myself... Fortunately, I, as you mentioned, I mean, I'm well-known enough that I get a lot of work anyway. In fact, more than I can generally do. But it, it was difficult because I used it a lot for, you know, somebody want a resume of my, of my organization and my papers that I've co-authored or wrote. I had all of that in there, so it was easy to say, well, just go to my LinkedIn site. Oh. Do, do you think it was the climate change one, or do you think it was the Trump political one? Well, the timing probably fits the Trump thing more than anything because um, 
I've been commenting about climate change for years. What did you say? Well, just you know, like I would say things like, uh, "I'm a ge- I'm in geology, I'm a geological engineer. My study is global climate change, set in stone." I mean, people say that these things have never happened before, and I said, "I have geologic evidence that's not true." You know, it, it's happened multiple times in our history. And it's, like I said, literally set in stone. Right. It's the study of pressure and time. Yeah. And how much time of data do you have, historically speaking? millions of years. Right. You got got data that's been recorded in the last hundred years. You know, if you start looking at comparing data on those kind of scales, you you go back even 50 or 100 years and the accuracy and the the coverage is a fraction of what it is today so it's difficult to even compare that far back but it's still there and you know they they compare on a monthly basis for climate which is going to be thousands and thousands of years basis but you know you have a storm uh, a cold winter that's suddenly global climate change and that's just weather so if the political one i imagine probably had to do with trump and biden yeah. Okay. And, and is that, are those the only two names that you probably mentioned? In fact, I'm trying to think uh, if the if it was prior to the conventions, there might have been a couple, you know, other candidates. Okay, but but it, but it was people on yeah, stage. Yeah. You, you didn't you yeah. didn't go after their wife. You didn't no. go after their daughter. You didn't go after their kids. Nothing. No. Okay. No. On the climate change one, did you mention Greta Thunberg or Greenpeace or anything like that? The only time I brought Greta Thunberg up, basically by name, was in regard to the fact that she's she shares a trait with a son I have, and that she's autistic. And I felt like she was being misused, abused in a sense, uh, as a basically a mascot, a symbol, yeah, a a mascot, symbol. you yeah. know, and gimmick mascot, yeah, yeah. and uh, not not necessarily even aware that it was happening to her because she's autistic and we should mention that's one of the reasons why uh, Monty and I got together was through Able House is the yeah, name of yeah. it right Able well, Able Inc yeah. Able Inc yeah. and they uh, for severe handicapped children that yeah. can kind of be on their own but yeah. still need some yeah. care all the way up to 24 hour supervision yes and and they do good work for the oil and gas industry yeah. And so that's how Monty and I became acquainted with each other. And then, of course, every year at the Bach and Barbecue. And one year, you brought your son by. Yeah. That was a good time. Got to meet him. And so I thought of that often with Greta Thunberg because I've said for years on this program, I believe she's being used. It's a gimmick. It's a marketing thing. And I believe America is going to have one, too. Somebody, some mother or father is going to think their child is the next Aaron Brockovich of Greta Thunberg's. And that's gonna, it's going to happen. I believe it. And so I think what you're talking about is a very important discussion, which is here's a gentleman who's raised a child with autism who yep. can understand what that is all about. Yep. So you are very qualified to speak on this. I am not. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's something I can't imagine in my wildest dreams ever doing to my son. I... I He's using him and as I a tool. I can't imagine as a parent allowing it, and then, or or somebody that she trusts, allowing you know doing that to her. 
and uh, and using her in that way. Uh, are you working these days? Are you a con- are you consulting? Yes. What do you do? I'm a primarily a hydraulic fracturing design and uh, supervision consultant, but I do all basically cradle to grave of an oil well if need be. But today, the, the my business has been primarily completions that include hydraulic fracturing and multiple stages. In fact, I'm literally here taking a break from a job hmm. because I was down in Wyoming working on a horizontal well and uh, they graciously allowed me to come up here for this conference. So, I'm glad they did. You know, um, it's, have, uh, you, have you... You've walked around the show now. Oh, it's been uh, about a day and a half now. Yeah. I, uh, well, my favorite place is the exhibits because, yeah. you know, some of the, I'm a real technical person, actually, you know, and, yeah. but I've found that over the last few years that technical papers, just due to legal issues and confidentiality, very little actually gets told that I can use in a talk because mm-hmm. they have to keep it at such a low level of, of trade secrets and that sort of thing. Proprietary. So, yeah. So what yeah. I do is if I have an interest in a product, I find that company if they happen to be here and I find somebody that I can talk to. Yeah. And I do that down here. Yeah. And I, I've been in the business long enough that I can usually find somebody. What is something interesting uh, or a company that you found? Well, one of them, uh, it, it's interesting to me in a number of ways, but it's Credence as a, a new product. And mm. it, it hits on several levels, but I know the family. Mm. I, they're from Williston, the Blacks. Uh, so I've worked with them uh, over the years. Um, the uh, chemistry that's involved is some stuff that I've, I mean, I haven't used that chemical, but I'm familiar with that technology. And so I can ask questions that a lot of people wouldn't know to ask even about how it could af- affect use in, say, the Bakken or, or other formations. So, you know, I did talk to the, uh, the manufacturer as well as to uh, Kevin Black. And I mean, I checked all the boxes. It's a pretty impressive chemistry. And I'd you know, love to get a chance sometime to help him out with it and maybe actually put it to work. Well, he'll be here tomorrow if you want to come by and say hello. Yeah, yeah. I think they're scheduled I'll, for an, inter- an I'll interview. I'll give you his time. Yeah, you can come by and happen to bump into him. Yeah. We just introduced uh, Ken Hall with uh, Continental Resources. So, yeah. you know, Crude Life likes to connect people to you. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Uh, so. so I did want to ask you, uh, did you get a chance to listen to Governor Doug Burgum today? No, I didn't. Did you hear about his big announcement? No. Well, good. Ooh, this is juicy. Here. We're going to get Monty's original breaking news. reaction. That's the breaking news, Monty's yeah. original reaction. So Governor Burgum spoke today, and uh, the forum's already put out a story in the news and everything like that. So if you go to your phone, you'll find it really quick. Okay. He announced that North Dakota will not try, but they must be carbon neutral by 2030. Really? Your thoughts. <laughs> Here, carbon here's a loaded grenade. Go yeah. nuts. <laughs> carbon neutral. Really. By 2030, that's nine 2030, years. That's nine years yep. from now. Yep. Um, the governor just I said I would love that. to know beyond that how he thinks we, we would even begin to achieve that. It's um, not with the industrial forest. He won't meet yeah, with us on that. No. No, he's, um, they won't meet with us. 
if you're talking about funky, um, funny money like carbon credits and stuff like that, I mean, that, all we're really doing is transferring the problem, if it's really a problem, to somebody else. And you're not really doing anything. The problem I see with all of that stuff is if we're if we're doing it here in the United States, which we're already leading the world in that area, we have cut carbon more than any other country in the world without, for instance, even being a member of the treaties. And but if we're forced to do it, we're going to ruin our economies, and we're going to just transfer it to third world countries who don't give a damn. The cost of energy is going to go up, and yeah, that right. doesn't only translate to gasoline prices, but everyday products yeah. that petroleum is made oh. from. So think about medical devices, the cost of that's going to go up, yeah. Wait. interior paint, everything that has petroleum products in it. But it's already started. It's a domino effect. It's already right? started. Lumber's yeah. up three, four times the price. Yeah, stainless till, steel's wait till up. the doctor starts hooking up to your arm with glass tubing because you can't use plastic anymore. You know, right. or, or you look up there and you don't have a disposable plasma bottle. You got a glass recyclable bottle that has to be autoclaved every time to make sure you don't inherit the disease from the guy whose blood was in there before. You know? Right, you got to make sure that's very sterilized. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, look, look at look at how much people fr- freaked out on COVID, yeah. okay, with the micro yeah. viruses, right? So are you just going to reuse a sterilizing needle? Yeah. Is that what you're going to, a vaccine needle? You're going to, what, run it through like the dishwasher at, at Hardee's yeah. or what? I mean, that's, that's the steps back that people don't think about. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm talking about? Where you wash the dishes, where you close them down yeah, and they the, just the school cafeteria totally. with the big steam, steam just, engine. How else would you sterilize well, these needles I mean, to be my, reused on people? One of my favorites <laughs> is, you know, like green energy, like ethanol. Uh, and it's popular in this area because you use corn and you're in the ag business or you're using soybeans and you're using oil, uh, biodiesel. Biodiesel doesn't work real well in North Dakota. It's cold. Anywhere you get this cold, it's got real issues for about half the year. Uh, ethanol, when you really dig into that, and the EERC has even done this, if you find out that to make a gallon of ethanol, it takes about a gallon and a half equivalent of gasoline energy. To make that gallon of ethanol and then when you burn that gallon of ethanol you only get three quarters of a gallon of gasoline energy back out of it so in order to break ourselves of our our uh, link to fossil energy we'll just have to double the amount we use <laughs> right <laughs> that's all yeah that's Nothing all we do. and then cover uh Connecticut with solar panels. Yeah, it'll yeah. all be good. Put put some more wind towers. I just seen this morning that they're they okayed an offshore wind farm off of the Kennedys there that they didn't like here ten years ago. And you know, one of the most sobering interviews I've had was with Mike Renfrow. He worked in oil and gas for twenty nine years. Okay, blue boat subsea. Got I got to be very phonetically articulate with that because otherwise it sounds like blue boat subsidy. <laughs> so sub C, right? Yeah. COVID hits. 100% oil and gas business for 29 years. Sending out the you know the RFPs and RFQs and all that other stuff, right? Trying to get the business. Well, his business partner says maybe we should start doing some requests for wind business. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Same amount. Nothing changed with the oil and gas requests for business. Mm-hmm. They added wind, okay? 
One year later, 80% wind energy business, 20% oil and gas, and that 20% is decommissioning pipelines in the ocean because he does offshore uh, stuff, offshore rigs. So now they're doing offshore wind turbines. That's scary part number one. Scary part number two he brought up, sobering, sorry, sobering part. All but one of those companies on the eastern shoreboard are European. Yeah. One is American. I believe Dominion is the only one. The rest are European companies. So as he was saying, this is a bigger problem than I think the average person is grasping. You know, and this guy's worked in the industry 29 years, so he's he's being more of a wisdom guy than he is sitting at the end of the bar bitching over, you know, beers. Mm-hmm. No, he's prophesizing. Well, you know, you look at carbon, for instance, makes up like six zeros, one three... Uh, percentage of the Earth's crust. That's where coal and a lot of it's tied up in rocks we can't use anyway to burn, but that's a percentage of it makes. And we have people that are upset because we're basically mountaintop removing in the Appalachians to get at that coal. And it makes up that percentage of thousands of a percent. Well, now you're talking about solar panels super magnets, different things you need for wind power. Now you're looking at metals that exist with 13 zeros before them. And guess where they are? China. China controls 80% of that market right now. And we're killing ours. We're shutting it down. It's actually a little bit higher because they they found out that China controls 95% of the rights to those minerals. So yeah. not only do they have, well, yeah, what is that, that 80% in, in there, but there, they, they got Africa. And, they got all the rights too now. Yeah, so they've been, they've been, they've been busy. Up, they've been tying it all up. <laughs> and so now, you know, even if, say, they did want to share that with the rest of the world freely, you're not talking about mountaintop removal to get access to all those things to replace carbon energy completely. You're talking mountain range removal. I mean, you're literally mining whole mountain ranges away. And that's way more devastating. Yeah. In order to get the energy that we're going to place. And I'm not against these other energy forms. Absolutely. I want them to be profitable on their own. Right. Because if, if they don't carry their own weight, nobody does research. You want to look at the best way to kill research on anything is government subsidize it to where the status quo works enough to make them money. Why would they spend more money on research when they can get filthy rich on a government subsidy without changing a thing. So if you want innovation, you want change, you've got to have private money in it. You've got to have entrepreneurs. You've got to have people that are looking to risk. Right, not, not leaning on the government. Yeah, they can't be a guaranteed thing because that, that just destroys innovation and research and all those things. I, that's what I see the government creating these like... I don't know what you want to call them, but there's like different steps or different phases you have to go through in order to get mm-hmm. the money, right? Yeah. The government money. I've always been a fan of the smart, clever capitalists that are mm-hmm. going to go out and, and take that. But now they're wanting the smart, clever capitalists to go through them. Yeah. And that's a problem to me. And I do not like that because one of those stop gaps... They might just steal the idea and do it themselves with their own buddies. Yep. And it's happened. And it's already happened. So it's... Well, look what they're doing right now with the COVID vaccines. 
we got COVID vaccines and now they're talking about uh, taking the patents and basically giving them away to other companies and other countries even though those corporations and entities did all the work to develop it. Well, we're getting into some interesting times, aren't we? Yeah. We really are. Well, hey, let's get back to LinkedIn for a second because, okay. you know, you're the only guy I've ever known personally to get banned for life from I'm out LinkedIn. in front of everybody. I've met Donald Trump, but I don't think he got banned for life, did no, he? Okay. Not from LinkedIn that okay. I know of. I've never met Alex Jones, but I know he's got banned multiple times from multiple different platforms. But uh, do you have any recourse at all? Can you go start a separate uh, site under no, a different I, uh, email address? I'm or? not a Donald Trump. I don't have you know billions of dollars sitting in the bank to go find an alternative. So it's one it, of the more. By the way, one of the more interesting parts that you brought up was that you mentioned to me yesterday when we were talking about this that you never did find out who owned LinkedIn. Yeah, they're like a, some secret cabal. Yeah, you, there was. <laughs> you know, normally you, you can contact you know. Well, you know who owns Facebook. You know who owns Twitter. But who actually is running, managing face, uh, LinkedIn? It just seems like some kind of deep, dark secret. Oh, I think it's by design. Yeah. It's by I, design. They just want to man- manage by power and not have to communicate with the, yeah, and if they the people me, who are using their platform. They don't have... It's difficult, very difficult. Like I said, the, the one organization basically got... I don't know if it was a lawyer firm or whatever started threatening people and I don't know all the levels they had to go to but it took them months to get recourse I'm not, I don't have that kind of it makes me wonder how many of these big companies are just some computer in a storeroom yeah. <laughs> like there's just nobody actually working there it's just some software on a computer yeah, some just algorithm. chunking it all out yeah. Yeah, I, I might have been <laughs> talking back to an algorithm for <laughs> that's all what I, I was wondering right. Siri you were talking to Siri yeah yeah Siri <laughs> <laughs> Well, how about what's next for Monty Messler and Frackinator? You're in you're in Wyoming right now. Doing some work down there on one of my main clients. There, they've, they've been. I'll probably got about you know looking two or three months of work there. Okay. Which is great. I mean, I I'm getting to the point in my life where I don't need to work all the time, and so you know I can make enough money and do well enough in three four months to pay for the whole year or so uh, would but, you miss it would you miss it though oh would yeah it, I mean I miss yeah. the people instantly but I, I'm, I'm getting to that point in my life where it's more about trying to figure out what my legacy is going to be how am I going to pass on all the things that I knowledge I've accumulated over 40 some years working in North Dakota you know, the thing about it is there's always been people working in North Dakota but it was never a place that a lot of people wanted to live Right. So they would send their engineers here. They'd spend two or three years, and then they'd go somewhere else. I decided to stay here. And over 40 years, I've managed to be able to link all the different things that each one of those people just saw a segment of Yeah. together. So. I think working in North Dakota should be part of the rotation, like yeah. a rite of passage, right? Well, like you're not a real, well, you know, oil-filled guy or gal unless you've worked in North Dakota. You, you certainly can't say you've worked cold weather until you've worked in North Dakota. Our guys, when I was in the 90s, would go to Alaska oh. and tell me how nice it was working up there because everything was inside. <laughs> in North Dakota, we were out on our truck standing in the, you know, 50 below zero wind chills and 
So, you know, it's, we had a, I remember a job, we had some people come from the Beltford Sea with some special drill stem testing equipment, and they got out to the site, and they said, well, where's the building? I said, what building? Well, the one where we put our tools together in. I said, there's no building. Yeah. You can do it in the cab of your truck. Yeah. I bet then... that guy got made fun of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, here oh, comes yeah. New York City, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I've um, I've worked in North Dakota and had materials delivered to the wrong area of our job site. And I've been out in only minus 10, blowing snow. And it's, it's not easy, no. you know. I mean, I... I almost fired that company because <laughs> they made me go out there and, and do it. But eventually I was like, well, yeah, I, I'm just going to be in the truck, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> it, it makes for a different type of person. The workers in North Dakota, the ones that stay, they're a pretty hardy bunch. They're hard workers. They, they're valued everywhere else they go. Right. You know, because of that. They work ethic in North Dakota. And I think it's a survival thing, too. You go back hundred years if you couldn't work with the people around you you didn't survive mm-hmm. if you couldn't get along with the people around you couldn't depend on them it was it was a survival thing so right. um, I think that's helped a lot and in the fact that even even today we're seldom more than one or two generations away from an ag background for instance in this state for homegrown workers and I, you know, I think that makes a difference. I mean, it just, it just, you know, you're, you're used to working 24/7 on a ranch or farm or whatever. So we had a gentleman on that he was a paper boy. Yeah, and that's what he he compared it to. You know, working every day is like working on a farm, living on a farm chores, man. It's just daily. It's just yeah. what we do yeah. up here in this part of the country. And I did want to ask you as we kind of wrap up here. As we were talking, I was trying to think of, over the last couple of years, the percentage of people that, when I asked them, how can somebody get in touch with you to give you some business? I'm not kidding you. At least 80 to 90% lead with LinkedIn. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. That's like the first thing they say, like, how dare I even ask? Yeah. What do you say now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say, you can't get me on LinkedIn. I'm banned. (laughs) It's usually the first sentence. And then, you know, and I hand him a card or something. You know, it's... But fortunately, I have been around long enough that you can't walk 100 yards any direction hardly and not run into somebody that I know. With the name Frackinator. So are you known more as Monty or Frackinator then? What what do you get called more of? You know, my old friends, they still call me Monty, but um, it depends on the... uh, the place I'm at. The know. crowd. Yeah, if I'm in a bar, it's Frackinator. Okay. You know? <laughs> hey, Frackinator, come over here. Especially if it's a golf tur- charity golf tournament or something, the oil field. You know, it's... I used to tell people, my former life, I was a publisher, and our um, customers were newspapers. And so I traveled all over the country, and this was after the movie Fargo. So everybody remembered they met a guy from Fargo. <laughs> Nobody remembered my name. Everybody called me Fargo. Fargo. So that's why I thought Frackinator. I bet out of town or out of the state, people probably know you more as Frackinator well, than Monty. I just bought a commemorative firearm over here. And and he said, he, I handed him my card for the information. And he said, 
I've seen that license plate. I've been driving behind that license plate. So I hear that a lot, too. That's good stuff. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, sharing your story. I'm sorry to hear about the discrimination and the rank prejudice that's going on, because at the end of the day, that's all it is. It's just you're getting picked on. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I'm sorry to hear that. I, you know, my revenge is I'm going to survive. That's Success a, is the best revenge. Yep. That's what I always say. So my mom told me. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you, Monty. Thank you. Frackinator, I mean. Because <laughs> I'm going to be me. in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by American Directional Driller, especially designed for the American Directional Driller to measure bottom hole assembly equipment up to 40 feet. As of release, this product is unmatched in the marketplace. This heavy-duty 40-foot tape measure has three measurement scales on an extra-wide blade. Pick up this 40-foot tape measure at Amazon.com or be sure to check out their website, American Directional Driller. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Alicia High School, GPS International. Thank you for joining the program here. We get a two for one here, folks. We get a two for one. Number one, we get to keep up with our month-long interviews of Keep America Beautiful all month long on The Crude Life. We're showcasing individuals and companies that are keeping America beautiful and in the oil and gas industry specifically. And we also have a woman-owned company too, but we've got some big news here because I was just looking through a white paper on a way that uh, GPS International and some of the uh, uh, patent-pending technology that they're involved with has a method to reduce methane. So, Alicia, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Let's talk about this uh, big news that's coming out of the white paper and some of the research involved. And um, I'm, you know, just had a quick chance to look through it, but it looks looks to be all great news. More good news for the oil and gas industry, more proof that there's uh, emissions being reduced. So let's talk more about that. Absolutely. You know, the oil industry is, is the oil and gas industry has always been uh, environmentally focused. I mean, um, I know people give, uh, give our industry a bad name, but we've, we've always been leaders in, in, in being environmentally responsible. Um, you can just look at our well sites compared to the, um, to the, you know, the open mines, um, and what they do to the environment, pretty awful, but, uh, we're super excited about this process. We've been talking about it and, uh, working on how, how to make it work because, you know, some of those, um, those emission lines, the, the gas is flowing, you know, thousands of miles per hour. So it's like, how do you capture that? Um, to make a make a difference in the in the emissions, and um, you know, we we came up with an idea and tested it in a in a very very small scale, and it looked like it was going to work. So then we went out into Pecos. A friend of ours said, "Well, I've got a well you can test it on," and lo and behold, we had fire one minute, and then we had nothing the next. <laughs> so we were like, "What?" Pretty exciting, I imagine. Cut so, that out. But anyway, we were really excited. We were all jumping up and down. Well, it's uh, okay. So I'm looking at your little uh, treatment here, your white paper. Uh, phase two, field test results from hydrocarbon production site, Pecos, Texas, West Texas, April 2020. This is hot off the press. This is so hot, it's white hot, meaning that <laughs> it's right in the center. That's how hot this is. So, uh, just explain, like, you know, like if, if, if I'm your customer, potential customer, you know, the, the operators out there obviously probably want to know all about this. So what what's the information that they need to know why this is 
going to help them and why it's so beneficial? Well, we've got a uh, you know, patent pending um, method to deliver our, um, our very specialized um, chemical mist. And um, it captures that methane molecule. It also um, neutralizes H2S. And, um, you know, this chemical is also biodegradable. There's no harm, harmful chemicals in it. So, uh, you know, environmentally friendly. Um, we're just thrilled to death. But it's a, it's, a great, um, it's a great method because it's not like we've got to go in and rework um, a lot of the systems that are out there. Um, I know a lot of the systems will, will have to be looked at individually. Um, we're also talking to refineries. Um, that's a big issue for them with their flares, but our system will work on theirs as well. Um, we've also uh, looked at taking this technology offshore um, because, you know, a lot of the production platforms and production um, ships um, also flare, and um, this uh this system can also be designed to fit on those platforms or on those ships. Um, you know, it's just a matter of, of sitting down with the with the companies, and that would be a custom a custom design thing, and then install. But again, um, it's it's an idea that came up, and you know, we all thought, "Gosh, this could work," and it did. You know, our, our we will probably be continuously trying to improve our, our chemical delivery um, and, and maybe uh, improve it even into our, our delivery system. But um, we've got, we've got a, a pretty special, special idea here. Well, how can somebody get involved with this or know some more information or just try to, uh, you know, kind of wrap their arms around this. I mean, this is for this, you mentioned it could be for a refinery. It can be for a well, it can be for a number of different things, huh? Absolutely. Um, transfer stations, you know, oh, sure. I yeah. mean, it, it, it can go on forever. Honestly, uh, the applications, anytime there's a flare, we can, we can affect it. Um, and, and just in, in our, um, in our phase two, we saw a 60%, we saw in our field testing, we saw a, uh, greater than 60% reduction in emissions in the flame and the smoke discharge. So, um, this is, this is a game changing, um, technology for, for flare, flaring. You know, with the ESG movement, the environmental movement, the transparency side of things, I can really see where a lot of different oil and gas companies, uh, it would certainly behoove them to at least entertain uh, something along these lines. Are you finding that um, oil and gas companies are, are receptive to this? Now, this is obviously new and everything, but I would imagine that you guys have been uh, kind of priming the pump a little bit ahead of time, getting some, you know, shaking some trees, if you will, getting, finding out if some people are interested to see if the test results come back, huh? Yes. And, and they're, they're very interested. We piqued all their interest and, uh, because, you know, methane is 80 times more potent than carbon dioxide over its first two decades in the atmosphere. 
that stuff does not just go away. But we can make it go away with our with our special chemical and, and application. So, you know, if any, anybody's interested and they want to learn more about it, and uh, we'd be happy to uh, make presentations, um, they can reach me at a.highschool at gpsinc.com or uh, they can go to our website, www.gpsinc.com. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. She works together, don't live to work. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spees, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with the owner of Rolfson Oil, Jay Cousins. How did you handle COVID? Was that uh, something that you had to go through quite a bit of changes? or Absolutely. Oh. COVID was actually really good for us. Um, we got to kind of take a step. I mean, obviously, we shrunk like everybody else did. It gave us a really good opportunity to kind of step back, look at our company, and you know redefine who we were as a as, as a corporation, right? And um, that's you know why we kind of started changing to an energy company from a diesel fuel company. You know, we were able to shrink up a couple some of our other facilities and uh, buy a bigger facility and you know become more streamlined. And I think it's better for it was for sure better for us that that happened. It was actually a it was bad, but it was good, and I mean it ended up being a being a good thing for us. Well, I mean, our facilities for sure were the biggest part of it and okay. changing, changing that up. I mean, it, in the beginning, we had a lot of different facilities and we were growing so fast and we were kind of putting, I say, makeshift facilities up at places, but, you know, there's smaller facilities and we said more of them. And then so we kind of put everything into two, uh, a few facilities and um, we started really putting uh, manpower into that. And we said, you know, we were hot seating a lot of trucks and then we started assigning trucks to more drivers and accountability and, um, you know, just are we up, we really upped our mechanic staff and uh, I mean, just, you know, looking at different procedures and um, just, you know, different, uh, you know, uh, technology as well, too, to help with it and working on our customer service. To listen to the full-length interview with Jay Cousins, the owner of Rolson Oil, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. 
While you're there, be sure to check out our ever-growing army of social media energy enthusiasts with our social media network. Check it out at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out the industrial forest. Forest.com. That's the industrialforest.com. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. We're going to do a good old fashioned Bakken barbecue. Halliburton has been cooking for two days. Uh, they've cooked 2,500 pounds of pork, 800 pounds of sausage, uh, 500 pounds of chicken. So. Uh, Everyone's favorite are the fish tacos, but they've got burgers, steaks, salads, I mean, pretty much everything. And the first experience was, oh, where are all the rigs? Because you have so much country here. In a car, they're in a tent, they're in some other building that's not meant for human habitation. We've actually found people living in haystacks, in uh, grain bins. We found one guy that basically gets shelter in a culvert each night. This was one of those stories where one reporter can't cover. There's too much happening at one time in too many places. If you hear it and it ain't stuck in your head all day, it's got a pop back beat and it's sung the wrong way. If you're not making money in the Bakken, you just truly are not thinking hard enough. Brother, it ain't country, no. Looking for a helping hand? Look at the end of your doggone arm. North Dakotans aren't looking over their shoulder for the government to help them. Some as long as I'm working, my mom and dad are happy. Okay. <laughs> shower. Well, that was always a key, especially going to Thunder Bay. And he doesn't like life, I guess. <laughs> Insanity, right? North Dakota, the Bakken Plague. 
The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Life with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful. As it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can see for my 20 companies, they take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Speece, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> 